Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Lifestyle Mastery and today I'm excited to have Dr. Benjamin Hardy, who's an organizational psychologist and best-selling author of Willpower Doesn't Work. From 2015 to 18, he was a number one writer in the world on medium.com. During that time, he grew his email list from zero to 400,000 without paid advertising. Uh, uh, ben and his wife, Lauren, adopted three children from the foster system in February 2018. And a month later, uh, Lauren got pre- pregnant with twins who were born in December 2018. Uh, they live in Orlando and uh, he's recently launched his book, uh, Personality is Permanent." Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm glad to be here with you. Awesome. You know, so... Uh, you, you know, you've written uh, uh, the book, Willpower Doesn't Work, and uh, now you've come up with Personality Isn't per- Permanent. I've, I've read a lot of your work on Medium, and some really interesting work about, uh, about uh, you know, willpower and about personal development. So what got you interested into writing? What got me pers- interested in writing in the first place? Yeah. Um, so about 10 years ago, I was serving a church mission. Um, it was just a great experience doing kind of community service and, you know, a lot of just helping people through bad situations. And during that experience, I started journaling a lot about my experiences, about my life, about my past. And I was also reading a ton of books. I was reading books on religion, philosophy, psychology, success. And I was just going through a lot of transformation and change. I was like 20 years old, you know, and I was just I was reading so much and I was also writing and, and, and both of those things are really helpful because writing, especially journaling and writing about your past and writing about your future and writing about what you're learning, it allows you to see things differently. It allows you to look at your past differently. It allows you to kind of think about how you want to see things. It allows you to start to be intentional about your goals. And so I was just going through this process for a few years, you know, around age 20. And I read some really life-changing books and kind of came to the conclusion that I, I wanted to be an author myself. And so that led me to a lot of the books I read uh, were written by PhDs. And, you know, and I just thought, man, I want to spend my time doing stuff like that. Like, this sounds amazing. And I fell in love with writing through journaling. And so I, uh, I decided to study psychology. And it wasn't for like four years or five years after I had that experience that I really started blogging online. But um, you know, that's kind of what planted the seeds. And then ultimately in 2015, I started testing the boundaries and started throwing out blog posts and kind of learning how to, how to build a platform and learning how to write books. Right. And you know, you grew your email list uh, to to a huge number without any paid advertising. So, so any, any tips for, for writers and bloggers and, you know, how to increase that email list, Uh, Dr. Warner, you you used medium.com to, to, uh, you know, send across your message. Yeah, I did. Uh, so, you know, 2015, 16, 17, and 18, I was actually, I'm pretty sure I was the number one writer for all of those years at right. Medium. And so I was getting lots of views, you know, over that span of time, and not just on Medium, but on all platforms, my blogs were read, you know, tens and tens of millions of times. And so like, you know, if you want to grow an email list, here's kind of my thoughts. First off, you have to have a reason to do so. 
you know, for me, actually the initial reason was to get a six figure book deal. Cause I wanted to be a professional writer. I wanted to get a book contract from one of the major publishers and I wanted to be a professional writer. And, and I found out that in order to get like a six figure book contract, I needed to have at least a hundred thousand emails. And so like, I had a very clear goal. I had a specific reason and that goal then led me to learning how to write viral blog posts, you know? And so I bought a online course from John Morrow. It was like a guest blogging course. And that course taught me how to write viral headlines and structure my articles in a certain way. So like, first things first, you have to know why you want that platform or that email list. Like it could be just honestly to sell them products and that's fine, but you need to have like a goal and a reason why. And then you need to, you know, if it's through blogging, you need to learn the strategies that will help you grow an email list. Like at the time, Medium was a great platform. To be honest with you, it's not a great platform for that anymore. It's a great platform for getting paid, uh, you know, pennies per click, but it's not a great platform for building an email list anymore, which is why I don't really use it that much anymore. But it was a great platform at the time. You can blog on your own platform or you can use other platforms. And ultimately, what here's, here's what you want to do. You need to get good at writing headlines because if you're not good at writing headlines, no one's going to read your articles. And if you get good at writing headlines and good at structuring your articles, you can have millions of people read your articles. And so that's a skill that you have to develop if you want to get good at that. You also want to get good at writing in a specific voice, you know? And so in order to do that, you've got to get yourself into the mindset of that voice. You know, so for me, I would always write in the morning back when I was blogging, I would do it right after I exercised and I would get myself into a, a really great frame of mind. And then I would write intensely from that frame of mind. And one of the big mistakes that a lot of uh, bloggers make, aside from the fact that they don't have clear goals, um, is that they don't, is that they write too much about themselves. Um, most of my blogs, you won't even notice me. I'm very much always writing towards the reader. I'm always talking in like, you know, I'm focusing it on them. So like the, probably the most dominant word in my articles is you, like you, this, you, that, you, this, you, that, so that I'm speaking directly at the reader. Um, I'm also writing in a very, it's an emotional experience reading my work. Um, good writing is emotional, even if it's scientific. (laughs) Um, the other thought that I would have is this, and this is kind of now getting to the nitty gritty, is once you get good at writing articles, structuring them, writing them in a specific voice and getting people to read them because they've got good headlines, you need a specific call to action. You need a, you need a free giveaway. And I would challenge you to have a very simple giveaway, not a big giveaway. So for a long time, I gave away an ebook, and that was too big. And so I switched it to a seven page checklist, simple tactical checklist, it could be about anything. In my case, it was about like tips for having a good morning routine, but yours could be five, you know, checklist to make money or checklist to become a podcast or whatever it is, whatever's relevant to your audience. Right. And with that simple checklist, I sent people to a landing page, not to my website, very specific, a landing page that had only one option. Either they could put their email in to get the free checklist or they could leave the website. You know, like if you send people to a website, they have too many choices. They can, read about you. They can read all your articles. You don't want to send people to a website. You want to send people to a single landing page where they have two options. Either they can give you their email within five seconds or less, or they will just leave the page. Those are the only two options. And once I started using landing pages and once I started um, small for free, uh, I started getting 20,000 emails a month. Well, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, since, since you've started, uh, 
writing with the whole objective of getting a six figure book deal uh you know i want to talk about your new book which is personality is impermanent so what made you write about that book yeah this this book so i'll first say that i'm not the same person that wrote willpower doesn't work willpower doesn't work came out in t- early 2018 we're now talking in 2020 i've right. gone through so much in those past few years and so much as a writer and as a thinker um that i you know a really great thing when you create a lot of work is when you go back and you read your old stuff and you just totally don't resonate with it at all and not at all like i still love a lot about willpower but i'll read a lot of my own blog posts and i'll be like wow i would never say that now <laughs> and that's a good thing because you can see your growth um but why did i write personality isn't from um personality quite a bit you know because i've got a phd in psychology and personality is one of the bigger topics probably the biggest topic in psychology. Okay. Um I learned through my PhD program that personality tests like Myers and Briggs and stuff like that, Enneagram, any test that categorizes people and puts them in types, none of those tests are scientific. Uh I thought that was interesting, but that's not why I wrote the book. Um what led me to it honestly was that I read a book called The Body Keeps the Score. The okay. Body Keeps the Score. It's a really big book and it's all about trauma. And Bessel van der Kolk, one of the things that he talked about in that book is that trauma, specifically like traumatic experiences, negative emotional hard experiences, they lead to what's called a frozen personality. Uh, and a frozen personality is where you're emotionally stuck in the past. You're stuck in, in, in a negative cycle because of the traumatic experience and you haven't resolved it. And so you're literally stuck in your development and you, you haven't grown emotionally from that experience. And so you're basically living from the past. You're stuck in the past. and you're stuck in the trauma. Uh another thing that Bessel said that really inspires is your imagination and they lead you to being really rigid and inflexible in how you see yourself. Um you can't imagine a new future for yourself, you can't see yourself in new ways. You just you believe that the way you are is the way you are and you you can't see possibility for change. And so uh though I mean I had a lot of other perspectives but those those things among other things made, made me realize i wanted to write a book about personality and about why personality gets so stuck and and consistent for people and about how to how to change that and so that that's that's what led to it interesting you know you you talk about trauma you know a couple of years back i lost my my father to cancer and um i, I started reading about stoicism and i started following your blog so you know you did help me out during that time but you know what are the key ways uh, you know somebody can transform or uh, from trauma and and not uh, you know as you mentioned get into a, uh, become a frozen personality yeah so trauma is any negative event that is obviously it's negatively emotional it's difficult it's painful and what it does is it leads to called shaping a story around that experience So usually usually you you form a narrative about yourself based on the experience and and a narrative about the world and about and it's usually negative. Um so trauma is any experience that shapes you negatively in how you view yourself in the world but it's also usually it's something that you you suppress and you internalize and you don't talk about and you don't open up about it, you know. So it it only stays a trauma. So there's a quote from Peter Levine Peter Levine is a trauma expert and he said trauma isn't what happens to you it's what you hold inside in the absence of an empathetic witness. 
So let me say that again. Trauma isn't what happens to you. It's what you hold inside in the absence of an empathetic witness. And so in order to begin to reframe your trauma and see it differently, and even come to the point where you realize that it could be framed positively because it can become information you can use to make better decisions in the future. Um, you need to start getting it out there. Usually trauma is isolated. It's something you hold in. Right. And, and then there's a quote from Alcoholics Anonymous that you're as sick as your secrets. So usually what trauma does is it, if you, if you don't let it out and if you don't talk about it and if you don't reframe it, then what it leads to is it leads to negative coping behaviors such as addiction or other, you know, escapism or other negative things because you're not, you haven't dealt with the emotions and you're still negatively being impacted by how you felt, however long ago the experience was. So there's, there's a few key things that you need to start doing if you want to change the trauma and, and transform it into something useful. I think number one would be journaling. There's a lot of research on journaling and about how if you write about your former experiences and, and the emotional impact they've had on you, you can begin to neutralize the emotions. You can start to kind of see it differently. You can maybe even frame it and think, what, what were some of the things that good things that came out of this? Or, or, or why has this helped me to make better decisions? I mean, you can start to think about it differently in your journal. Um, and ultimately, you can start to frame out how you or a different version of you would look at this. How would a, how would a, how would a future version of me look at this experience? Or like, you know, why you so you can become more empathetic towards the former empathetic towards the former version of you like so that's that's one thing another thing is then um, getting an empathetic witness you know telling someone about your experiences like I've had lots of hard experiences in my life and once I started opening up with you know towards being open and honest about it again you're as sick as your secrets once you start talking about it and opening up about it, first off, you neutralize the emotions, but second off, you can then start getting different perspectives about that experience. Um, so I think that those are two, two big places to start. You've got to start talking about it and you've got to start thinking about it differently. Got it. And, uh, you know, Benjamin, as, as reading uh, the book uh, and, uh, and, you know, in the, the start of the book, you talk about that, uh, you know, <clears throat> your wife would not have dated the, the, the person you were when uh, you were, you know, when you actually uh, met your wife, or, or maybe because, you know, you've changed over the, over the time. But, uh, you know, do, do you think your past is, is a wrong way of explaining your personality? Or, you know, how does somebody judge, you know, what is, the, what is the personality they have at present? And how can, how can they change the narrative they have about, about the past or future or, or presences? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of background on the story, when I was in college, you know, there was a very popular personality test at the time and it's still popular. It's called the person or it's called the color code. And I took the color code and a lot of people at my college loved the color code. Right. My wife did and stuff like that. And so the score I got was that I was a white. Um, right. And basically what the test shows is that whites are kind of passive introspective people. They usually don't like achieve long-term goals. They're kind of aloof. And so like her parents and her family and even her were very concerned by my score on that personality test because they were like, if this guy's a white, like, you know, like maybe he's not going to be successful. Maybe he's not reliable. Like maybe he's, you know, going to just float through life. Like we need someone who's like a real serious person. You know, so like I almost didn't get married because of some score I got on some test, which was a very limited perspective of who I actually am and who I became. Like I'm not, 
you know, if I take that, took that test now, I'd probably actually, I'd have some aspects of white, but I'd be totally different as well. Um, and so, you know, these tests that categorize people into types, first and foremost, they shouldn't be taken too seriously because they're, they're just a single perspective of you. Um, and usually what they do is, is they create uh, a fixed mindset. Usually when you get, you know, usually when you assume a label and that's what these tests do is they give you a label, you know, for example, I was a white, um, you then see yourself through the perspective of the label and then you become mindless to all of the times when that label isn't true. Like it's not always true that I was a white in some situations I would be totally different, you know, right. but these tests ignore context. And so they, you, you think that your score is always true and it's not always true. In some situations you're going to be totally different. And that's, that's what the research shows is that when you overly assume a label, you become mindless of when the label isn't true and you think it's always true and it's not. Um, it, you know, and then it leads you to being dogmatic and defensive of your current identity versus thinking about who you want to become. And so, um, you know, what you ultimately want to do if you want to become who you want to be is you need to start to think about who your future self is. So what the research shows is that just like you're not the same person as you used to be. So if you think, right. you know, if you think about who you were 10 years ago, you're probably pretty different. <laughs> yeah. um, there's probably differences in who you were and 10 years ago and what you were focused on and what you cared about and even your habits and your quirks. Like you're, some of you may be similar, but I'm guessing a lot about you is different than you were 10 years ago. And the same is true of who you're going to be in 10 years from now, you know, but only, but you're only going to be able to make powerful change in your future. If you begin to define that future, you have to think about who your future self is, what they're like, what their situation is, who they are, like, you know, get down to the nitty gritty. Like what is, what are their relationships? Like how much money do they make? Like, what are they focused on? How do they spend their time? What do they care about? Like literally taking time to define your future self. It could be 10 years out. It could be three years out. Uh, I actually think doing it like three years out is a little bit more practical. Um, but then you need to shift that narrative. So you, you have to realize that identity is shaped by stories. So the story you tell about yourself and who you are when you explain yourself, it, it could be that you're a white, you know, you, 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 you literally use the score of a personality test to, to explain yourself. Uh, often people explain themselves based on former experiences, but I find that it's a lot more powerful to use your future self as your identity narrative. So to begin explaining yourself and to tell people and to be explicit and honest about who you want to become and start to use that as the way to explain yourself that I'm going to, for example, be a professional author, or I'm going to be a podcaster or like, you know, like this is who I am. This is what I want to do. Um, if you begin telling people about your goals and telling everyone about it and saying that this is who I'm going to be, and this is what I'm going to do now. Um, and this is where I'm going. Yes. That can be a little scary, but it's also, the only way to actually truly live honestly and authentically. And, and, you know, obviously then you need to act courageously and move towards your future self and, you know, surround yourself with people who encourage and support your goals. But first off defining your future self and then shaping your story around that future self. And then, and then, and then moving towards goals. I'll say one last thought real quick. Have you ever heard of the concept of deliberate practice? I have. Yeah. 1000 hours. 10,000? 10,000, <laughs> 10, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the actual time is not fully determined, but the idea is, is that being engaged in deliberate practice is different than just doing something over and over and over again. So like right. you could go to the gym and do the same workout every day for 10 years and you're not going to actually make much progress. What deliberate practice means is, is that you're actually going through a process that leads to a specific outcome. That's why it's called deliberate. 
And what the research shows is that it's literally impossible to engage in deliberate practice without the perspective of a future self who has the skills you're trying to develop. You can't actually motivate yourself and engage in a process without a specific goal or outcome in mind. And so you want to set specific goals that would help you become your future self and then go through the process of becoming that person, you know, which would be actually learning what needs to be learned. You know, in my case, it was blogging, but now writing books and, and there's other aspects of my future self that I'm still trying to learn how to become. And I'm not my future self, just like you're not your future self. We're, your future self is not who you are. They're a different person. And so you need to, you know, become that person through intentionally moving towards that direction and telling people that that's who you're going to be. Got it. So, um, so, you know, you, you talked about goals being a fundamental to your identity, but, you know, I uh, recently had James Clear from Automatic Habits who also talks about processes uh, being more important than goals at times, because uh, if you have the right processes, then you might be able to achieve your goals or even overachieve them. So, so, so what do you think is, is the right way to go about uh, I about totally designing. disagree with James Clear in that Does case. It? Yeah, it's not, it's not true. Like he's missing so much of, of reality and of the research in that case. Like, yes, the process matters importantly, but if you don't have a clear goal, then you don't have a clear process. Like it's impossible to choose a process if you don't have a goal. Um, and so the, so the goal determines the process. So you and me have totally different goals. And so our daily process is going to be totally different. Um, and if you're just focusing on processes, why did you choose those processes? You know, like, is it because someone else was successful? How do you know if their goal is your goal? Like, again, I just said, it's impossible to engage in deliberate practice without having a future self in mind. Um, that's research-based. Uh, there's also a theory in psychology called expectancy theory. It's kind of one of the most fundamental theories in motivation. And it says it's literally impossible to be motivated without a clear goal and without a path to getting there. And obviously that path is the process. You need right. to develop that process. But if you're truly committed to a goal, then yes, you will get good at the process. But you don't just choose a process for no reason. So like, I'll just tell you, James Clear has goals <laughs> and his goals have determined his processes. Um, and, and I can tell his process has changed because his goals have changed. Like he used to write two, two articles a month or sorry, two articles a week. week yeah. His process changed. You can see that his process has changed because he doesn't write new articles anymore and he's focused on different goals. And so it's not, you don't just randomly choose processes. You choose the process that will lead you to becoming what you want. And so goals are fundamental to choosing a process. Got it. So, so what you're saying is you need to set, set your clear goal first and then uh, you know, create a pathway or a process towards uh, getting to your goal? Yeah, the process is important. The process is how you get from A to B. You know, like, but you can't determine a process or engage in a process, a meaningful process like the you know, deliberate practice. You can't actually go through the process of learning and change and development without a clear goal. So James Clear, as an example, became because he process that led him to being that because that's what he wanted to be. I guarantee you, he visualized a future self. He okay. wanted to become someone specific. And then he went through the learning experience of becoming that person. He didn't just randomly show up where he's at. Um, his process was based on his goals. And so you've got to really clarify who you want to be and then determine the goals that will get you there. And then that goal determines your process and also the results you get along the way. Like if you're serious about the goal, 
then if you're not succeeding, then you need to change your process. So it's really results that determine your process. It's the result you're looking for and then it's the result you get along the way. You know, I can speak from experience. Like when I decided I wanted a six figure book deal, then that allowed me to determine a process. I could ask the right questions. Okay, how do I get a six figure book deal? Professional writers told me, well, you got to have 100,000 emails. Okay, well, how do you get 100,000 emails? Well, you got to get really good at blogging. Okay, uh, so that determined my process, you know, and then I was, then I started to start blogging. And at the beginning, I wasn't getting very good results. And so because I wasn't getting good results, I had to change my process. Um, but I would only change my process if I was committed to a specific outcome. If I was committed to a process, I could be committed to a crappy process that gets me nowhere. So you'd never want to commit to a process. You want to commit to a goal and then choose a pro, you know, and then figure out the process to get to that goal. Oh, that's a, that's an interesting insight, you know, uh, but, but you're right. Maybe, you know, uh, James Claire or, or others, you know, would be setting their goals first and then, you know, they'll be uh, reiterating the processes uh, going forward. But I can promise you that James has goals. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible to engage or choose a meaningful process without a goal. Um, right. it's bad advice to tell people to ignore goals. It's incredibly bad advice. Got it. That's, that's an, uh, helpful and, and, and interesting insight. Uh, and, you know, I want, want to talk about, uh, you know, your, your subconscious thoughts and, uh, you know, uh, at, at the back of your mind, does, does your subconscious impact your personality about, you know, what you're telling yourself all the time? Your subconscious definitely impacts your personality, my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, this is you without thinking about it. So for example, you're breathing right now. That's subconscious. Like your subconscious makes up 95% of what you do generally. And it's you without trying. It's you without thinking. It's just you being, and it's more based on who you currently are or based on who you've been. You know, it's just you on habit mode. It's your habit. Um, if you want to become someone new, if you clarify a future self that is different, has different habits, different, you know, has different characteristics, is in a different situation. First off, you have to be intentional towards that. You've got to define it, define your future self, and then you need to start intentionally and consciously moving in that direction. If you're acting consciously and intentionally, then that's the opposite of living unconsciously. <laughs> like, and so rather than being on autopilot and being reactive and doing the same thing you did yesterday, and just going through the motions, you need to actually think, what do I need to do today to get closer to my future self? And the more intentional action and the more courageous action you take that's consistent with the future you're trying to create, the more you'll change your subconscious. And you can be very aggressive about this. You know, you can start investing money into your future identity. Like there's a story that Zig Ziglar used to tell a lot. It was, a, it was about a guy named Tom Hartman. He was, you know, 400 pounds, totally overweight. And, um, you know, he went to a Zig Ziglar conference and he, he came to realize that his self-identity mattered so much. And so he began to imagine himself as a skinnier person, but then he was very aggressive. He began to, he did bold things to prove to himself and to his subconscious that he was serious. So he went to like a suit shop, like to buy some fitted tailored suits, like nice suits. And he bought two suits. I think it was like 700 bucks for a skinny person. Um, and the tailor at the suit store told him like, who are these suits for? And Tom said, they're for myself. And uh, nice. like the guy, I think the guy didn't really get it, but like 
Tom was investing money into his future identity. Like I've done that over and over. You've done that. Like you had to eventually start investing money into your podcast. Like you had to buy a microphone. You had to, right. you know, like I had to buy an online course and a website and like teach myself how to write blogs. Investing money, it really upgrades your subconscious. Like you start to really send a powerful signal that like this is who you're being and this is where you're going. Like telling people your story of your future goals is a powerful way to shift your subconscious putting yourself in new environments where you're surrounded by people who are encouraging your goals. That's another way to upgrade your subconscious. Like really you just want to make, make it so that your behavior of your future self, your environment, your experiences is your new normal. It becomes your, your future autopilot. Got it. Uh, yeah. You, you, you say something very interesting that environment also impacts your, your personality. So, so you, you, you know, any thoughts on how to redesign your environment? You know, what if somebody doesn't want to change their, uh, their home or, or place, uh, you know, what are the, some of the effective ways to redesign your environment? That is? Your environment, and your subconscious go hand in hand, your environment often triggers subconscious behaviors, you know? So if like your phone is around you, you know, or if you walk into the kitchen, you might then just open the fridge and start eating, even though you're not hungry, <laughs> you know, like, and so you got to realize that your environment triggers subconscious behavior. Um, but I think the most obvious and easy place to start is your peer group. Like there's so much research on peer groups and about how your peer group predicts so much about yourself, you know, whether it be, you know, like, the research shows your peer group, you know, in, you know, determines in large part whether you're going to be wealthy or whether you're going to be an entrepreneur or whether you're going to be uh, a moral, honest person or whether you're going to be a criminal or whether you're going to do drugs. Like all of these things are predicted by peer group. And so like your peer group in a large way shapes your identity and your goals and about what you strive for. And so, you know, a big aspect of changing your identity is being honest first off about what you want, who your future self is, telling people about that, and then starting to surround yourself with people who not only encourage it, but support it and can help you get there. Um, and that means you definitely have to limit exposure to people who will be really desirous for you to stay the person you've been. You know, if people who want you to be your former self and who want you to stay the person you've been are going to stop you from being who you want to be. You know, they might not necessarily stop you, but they're not going to necessarily, you know, I would challenge people to tell everyone about their goals, tell everyone about who they want to become. And you, you will be surprised at the amount of support you get. But at the same time, if you're serious about those goals, and if you're serious about becoming the person you want to be, then you have to be serious about your social environment and even about your physical environment. You know, like you've got to eliminate a lot of the things that maybe would keep you stuck. You know, if you're trying to get healthy, for example, you just got to eliminate the bad food options. You know, like right. if you're serious about changing yourself, you've got to change your environment. You, you have to. Got it. Uh, Benjamin, you, you also mentioned in a book that one should not marry for personality and, you know, uh, because the personalities do, do change and, and, you know, you got a successful marriage and you got uh, five kids. That's quite a handful. But uh, what advice would you give for people, you know, who looking to find their, their true love uh, if they're not looking for personality? I mean, it, I mean, that's what you mentioned in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the obvious thing that people do is, is they try to find someone that they're immediately attracted to, which makes sense. Um, but you have to think again, if you're thinking about your future self, right. And this is about living intentionally. Most people make the decision of who they want to be with based on their current preferences, not based on their future preferences, right? If your future self is a little different than your current self, 
then you got to ask yourself, what would my future self want? Like, what kind of person would help me become that future self? What kind of, what kind of, who do I want to be like? What kind of marriage do I want to have? You know, it can't just be about, if it's just about someone's personality, then you guys might have a conflict in ideology or in values or in purpose. Um, I find it's a lot more powerful to marry someone who you can clearly see would help you live your purpose and you would, and you have a clear vision together. I mean, that's, that's what leads people to collaboration, business collaborations is they have a similar vision for the future. Like the, the same is true of, of who you choose to get married to. Like you want to get married to someone who's, who's totally aligned with you in your, in your purpose. I mean, they, they can have a totally different personality than you. Um, and obviously you want to be able to get along and stuff like that, but you have to realize, and people do come to realize this fast, you know? So like if you're totally in like the gushy, you know, like honeymoon effect where you're totally just like in love with someone because you think they're super cute or whatever. What you, what a lot of people quickly come to realize is that the things that they loved most about their spouse in the beginning are the things that they come to get most annoyed by, like the longer they're married. Um, because you, it's the novelty wears off. Like after a year or two, when the honeymoon effect's gone and reality sets in, even if you thought that this person was so interesting or fascinating, they stop being that. and then you've got to face the hard realities of like living with someone and like dealing with stuff like finances and kids and buying houses and like moving forward and careers like and so rather than just obviously you want to you want to really like the person and and person but in their personalities will will and can and should develop over time i will say i am not the person who took that personality test five years ago or eight years ago or whatever. Like my wife can attest, I'm not that same dude. <laughs> There's aspects right. of me that may be similar, but like my personality has changed a lot and hers has changed a lot. And, uh, but we're still totally aligned on our purpose. And it's actually our purpose that keeps us together moving in the same direction. And uh, our purpose is what's channeling the changes we go through. Like we wouldn't have chosen to have five kids together if we didn't have this shared vision of what kind of people we wanted to be and what kind of life we wanted to live, which we created together, which is really what brought us together. So I think you want to think about like, who's your future self and who's their future self and can you help each other get there? And are you guys on the same page and do you guys value and seek the same things? You know, that stuff's way more important than your current personalities. Got it. And uh, Benjamin, do you, uh, do you follow any psych, or, you know, uh, psychology writers or any books that you can recommend so that people understand a little more about psychology. Yeah. Yeah. So I recommend The Body Keeps the Score. Huge book. Amazing book. I recommend Waking the Tiger, Healing Trauma by Peter Levine. I recommend the book uh, Too Soon Old, Too Late Smart by Gordon Livingston. Too Soon Old, Too Late Smart. Um, I recommend the book Personality Isn't Permanent. Um, but, uh, let me see here. What else, what else would I recommend? Um, I mean, there's so many great books. I don't know. I mean, if you asked me this question a week ago, I'd tell you something different because I'm just always reading and seeing things, you know, but, uh, those are some fundamental books that are really big. Um, mindset obviously by Carol Dweck is a big book. The art of learning by Josh Waitzkin is a great book. Um, what else? Gosh. Um, trying to think of the books I, I regularly go back to. I mean, I love the book Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. those are some great places to start. Yeah, I think uh, that's, we'll put that in the, in the, in the show notes as well. Um, so I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? 
Um, honestly, I'm not even sure. Uh, I really, it's not even a, I don't know, man. I, I, I haven't read a lot of business books lately, even though I'm like so into business. Um, okay. I, I'll just say I, I really have enjoyed the book, The Absent Superpower lately. Um, it's, it's more of a political geo, geological book, but it has a lot of business implications. Uh, the Absent or Superpower, is it? The Absent Superpower. And that's not oh. my favorite, but that's, that's, a, that's just a book that I've read recently that was interesting. Nice. And, uh, you know, if you go back in time when you started writing, uh, you know, uh, blogs and started focusing on your writing career, what is the one thing you would have, uh, focused on or done anything differently? I think, um, I would have gotten mentorship faster. I think even though I was succeeding very fast, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm growing a lot faster in my development now because I'm doing a lot, I've, I'm getting a lot more mentorship. Right. And do you have any favorite online tools, example, Gmail, uh, Zoom, Slack? I love Zoom. Zoom's big. Uh, use Kajabi, um, ConvertKit. So yeah, stuff like that. Got uh, it. And YouTube. Use a lot of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Got it. I'll put that in the show notes. And, uh, you know, what is the best way people can, uh, can reach out to you and, and know more about the book personality is impermanent. Yeah. So benjaminhardy.com, you can go and read my blogs, you know, anywhere. And also I would just recommend you find and buy the book personality isn't permanent. You can kind of get anywhere where books are sold. Personality isn't permanent. Uh, I think it will kind of blow you away and shock you and kind of really show you what's led you to being who you are today and, uh, help you to become who you really want to be in the future. Got it. Uh, Benjamin, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show and best of luck for, uh, for the new book that we launched. Thank you so much, man. I hope you enjoyed it and I uh, really loved being on your show. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com. <laughs>